This is a very special I Read Comic Books mini-sode episode, something that we, we do every once in a while where we have two fantastic human beings as guests on our show, and this week I'm joined by someone that you already know, Nick White. Hey. And I am also joined by comic book creators extraordinaires, Cooper Anderson. Hey, everybody. And AC Ironside. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining us. We are so excited today because we are talking to Cooper and AC about their new book that's coming out, Inner Workings, a modern retelling of the Jekyll and Hyde story. Cooper, AC, could you guys tell us a little bit about what this book is, where you're coming from with it, and I guess what the book's all about? Sure. I'll I'll get things started off. Uh, Yeah, so uh, this past year, I've been working on my uh, master's degree in creative writing from the University of Glasgow, and uh, one of the assignments that I really wanted to do was I wanted to create a comic book and I've always really liked the idea of playing with uh, the duality taking place within a single person and there's no really better embodiment of that than uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and uh, I was thinking about it, I was like okay the, the, the book's already been done and the comic book adaptation of the original Robert Louis Stevenson books that's already been done mm-hmm. uh, so I was like what happens if we do it in modern times so I was like, oh, that'd be really fun to play with just because, especially now in this modern world, we seem to be this, uh, where like there's like a line between good and evil, and that line is always shifting, and now it's becoming more blurred and stuff. So I wanted to see what those two characters would do uh, in a modern setting and how they would adjust to something like that, and what are the options they would take, and what are the choices they would make uh, as far as their own life going from there, um, and then... Uh, I, so I, I started writing the comic book, and uh, I realized very early on, wow, I can't draw for shit. So, <laughs> okay. uh, and I just happened to mention the project to AC over here, who was in one of my uh, creative writing classes, and she's like, oh, I'm, a, I, I'm an artist. And I go, really? And she's like, yeah. So I pitched her the idea, um, and apparently I was pretty good at it, because she said she wanted to do it. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so there's been quite a long process of doing script edits and then first draft artwork and then changing art styles. And then uh, so we're finally excited to get our book uh, completed. We, we finally got it completed uh, with the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and I would like to say he was very convincing with involving pizza in the pit. Because <laughs> as a person who's been in university for way too long, anytime that there's food, I'm more likely to say yes. Gotcha. To the project. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, uh, that's, it's interesting that you mentioned like the art style changes. I guess AC, could you go into like the process that you you took in terms of like approaching the the script that you were looking at, and then how you two came up with like this is the style that we want to go with for the book? Because Nick and I were lucky enough to actually get copies of this in advance and take a look through it and read it. And it's, I mean, it's it's a gorgeous looking book. Um, but I, I'm curious now to know like where did the art style change based off of where like maybe a first draft versus a second draft and so on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, For me, I work mostly as an archaeological illustrator. So I do a lot of realism with like skeletons and human remains and grave goods. So jumping between doing that and going like straight from a dig site to coming back and working on the comic book meant that I was changing styles quite often. And because of that, it creates like a change within the artwork. Okay. And because, yeah. Sorry. I, I was, no, 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 no. I, I was just, I want to put a pin in the, I just came from a gravesite um, and come back to that. That's all. <laughs> it's so yeah, weird no, to no, actually have to draw skin on bones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's 
been a lot of fun. I also do um, like facial reconstruction illustrations and stuff like that. So it's a lot of variation within my work week. And because of that variation, my style tends to adjust to what I've been drawing most lately. So okay. if I'm doing a lot of like realism, then my style tends to tilt towards more realism. And I have to like focus at looking at the earlier art and kind of like adjusting to go back to keep the style consistent throughout the comic book. Mm-hmm. And I know earlier this fall, we had a moment where I was like just finishing my master's dissertation and I had realized that my style for drawing Jekyll had completely changed. So I'm like messaging Coop and being like, do I have to redraw the entire comic? Because I will cry. <laughs> and I was like, no. AC is great where she's the kind of person, which is similar to me, where she will like, like dive herself into the ground working as hard as she possibly can for as long as she can. I mean, we're similar like that. And I think that's why we work pretty well together as a creative force. Um, but at that point, I was like, you nailed it the first time. Like, you hit a home run. You don't have to then go backwards and be like, no, no, pitch it again. Do a curveball this time. I could do better. Like, no, mm-hmm. you got it right the first try. Uh, and, and which she did. I, I thought she did a great – she finished the cover first. Um, and I immediately just fell in love with the artwork style right there. And then she gives me this new one. And it's, it's not even that much different, but it's uh, – like it has more defined lines and it plays more with the light versus dark motif. And I'm just like, we don't need any of this. We, you, you got it right the first try. We, we're good. Yes, it was very reassuring to hear those words because I'd literally just spent three weeks <laughs> in a hole in like the highlands of Scotland. So it was very nice to hear that. No, you're okay. Don't stress. <laughs> Wowzer. Um, Nick, I, I'll let you jump in here if you've got something you want to dive into. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of my big questions was, obviously there must have been some big choices made in terms of what to sort of adapt from Jekyll and Hyde and what sort of to kind of wholeheartedly ignore. And I noticed one of the um, sort of core changes that, that kind of grasped my, grabbed at my attention rather was um, that the physical transformation of Jekyll to Hyde was sort of omitted in favor of more of just um an inner transformation and i thought that was sort of uh, based on what you were getting at in terms of just internal duality issues within one's own self um i was just wondering were there other changes you um looked at or or what were the core conceits behind making that change because obviously the whole idea of um, people not being able to even distinguish Jekyll from Hyde because there's such a huge physical difference was a core conceit of that book. And then um, you went and made it all internal, which I thought was kind yeah. of interesting. Uh, well, yeah. So uh, one thing I want to point out, if if you're like a student and you're reading this book because you don't want to read the original and you've got a book report due in two days, don't read this comic book for that. What I've done... That's a very is, niche scenario, but... I yeah. Think it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, so what I've done was... Uh, so I reread the original uh, book, and what I've done from there is I took kind of more tent poles of story. Like there's... Um, like in story writing, there's a, a, a term called either saving the cat or like kicking the cat. Uh, where it's, it's, it's the first sense of what you get to see of the main character. 
and in the original story, it has Hyde, like he just kind of like tramples a little girl, like he just runs her over in the street, and you clearly tell he's a bad guy from there. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, he fights neo Nazis in a diner. So it's, there's a bit of a difference when it comes to that. Um, so what I did with the story is basically I took the kind of places of where story is going to go. Um, and other than there's a big change at the end that I don't want to spoil just yet, uh, but there's a big change from where the book ends to where this one's going to end. Um, and just because I think it's much more interesting of a story to, because like you said, there's a physical transformation in the original book where people can't tell who he is. Um, I like the fact that if you make that internal, that's I feel like that's a much more relatable subject for people. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people ask, am I a good person? And I was like, you know, if I find a wallet on the streets, am I going to try to help find it? Or am I just going to take that 20 bucks out of there and just leave it on the ground again? That kind of a thing. So it's it's it really plays with that inner voice in everyone's head of, do I do the good thing or do the bad thing? And I think that's a much more compelling story rather than, oh, I take this potion and then I suddenly turn into this evil person. Yeah, I mean, what kind of struck with me is it sort of made me start to think about how even in this modern day and age, especially with like the internet, this idea that we were actively cultivating, you know, multiple personalities um, without even thinking about it. Yeah, no, I I, I thought that was a, a, a brilliant change. And I also... Um, another thing that kind of caught my eye that I noticed, and I, I would love to know if this was a more mechanically driven decision or um, uh, maybe more thematically, but, um, you know, at the beginning, the duality of, of Jekyll and Hyde is represented uh, quite actively by two people. And as the book goes on, uh, we see um, Hyde represented as this sort of um, sort of even like a dark spectral energy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes on, Hyde sometimes gets referred to as just, um, I, I refer to it as like a Sandman speech bubble, right? Where the, where the, what the text is white and the, in the background is black. I'm glad and you I noticed that. <laughs> so AC did all the artwork and I did all the lettering and I'm a massive Sandman fan. And I was like, oh, what's a better way to represent the, embodiment of internal evil than to have just the reverse of a normal speech balloon and just have like mm-hmm. a black background and then white lettering so yeah i'm just glad you noticed it oh no no i i i thought that was a clever choice and i was kind of wondering um were you slowly trying to guide the reader from saying like hyde is a much more understandable um sort of avatar being a person and then abstracted that more down to the energy and then abstracted that more down to the like text bubble um just so you wouldn't have to draw two characters all the time or it's kind of more of uh, i wanted story-wise is because because he, he does first start off in the book as a like a very physical presence like you see yep. him on the page um and i wanted to make it very clear to the reader or like okay this guy is clearly just in jekyll's head but we need it, but you, you can see that here, and then it's going to slowly shift just to being just the voice in his head, um, just because everyone kind of has that. Does that make yeah. sense? I mean, I thought it was a really clever sort of piece of hand-holding for readers that maybe aren't as, uh, what we say on the show is like visually literate in terms of how comics work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So sort of moving them to that point where they're they can understand that Hyde is just a thought bubble, and yeah. and I thought that was like 
really creative. And then I'm sure also I wasn't sure if it was also just the fact that you didn't want to have to have <laughs> AC cluttering every single freaking frame with, <laughs> with two, two characters. That, yeah. That look really close to each other. And yeah. it definitely helps with that. But it also <laughs> for me, at least my understanding of the script and, uh, and my understanding that grew throughout the process was like him becoming more of like a voice within the head and being more of like a black, like almost like shadow figure version mm-hmm. of Jekyll was kind of like yeah. Jekyll almost like getting to know him a little bit more and it, yeah. like realizing he's part of him, not just a separate thing that he can yeah. like put in a little compartment in his brain. It's definitely like, um, I, I wanted the people to identify with both Jekyll and both Hyde because I wanted them both to have points on society as it is now mm-hmm. to where, you know, th- you can definitely see, oh, this person's right, and also this person's right, and that's the, where the internal conflict has always come, I thought, from those characters, is that they're they're both right, and they both think they're right, and they're both willing to fight, and then the arch of that story is eventually they're either going to either kill each other or they're going to have to accept each other and then work together. So it's going to be one of those two things. Yeah, that was that was the thing that I was I was a little torn. I, I mean, I, I will admit I wasn't huge like hugely familiar with the the Jekyll and Hyde story outside of you know like uh, the other myriad of, of folks that have like taken this story and then kind of twisted it and you know, like cartoons and, and things like that. And um, mm-hmm. so I was like, hold on a second, am I supposed to be relating to the to the antagonist? He's the bad guy, right? Like, <laughs> I was a little torn. I was like, okay. And I mean, of course, as the story goes on, I mean, it's it is I think a little bit clearer on that, especially once we get near the the very cool twist um, part of the book. But uh, yeah, that that was definitely something. Where I'm like, hold on, is we're actually. Who am I supposed to be rooting for here? Yeah, yeah. Mike did some real soul searching. Yes, <laughs> I did. Coming out of this book, yes, uh... like I know for me, like with even within my own writing and within my other artwork, independent of this project, I'm very into gray areas, and I'm mm. making people like question whether or not they should be liking the villain, and realizing that a villain isn't necessarily someone who's fully evil, mm-hmm. and a hero isn't someone who's fully good. So mm-hmm. I know for me, that was something that attracted me to the project as well. Definitely. Well, I mean, I, I know after after Mike read the book, he texted me and said, robbing a bank, BRB, and so I know things turned out, turned, turned out just fine. Listen, so, I had no, to steal uh, that money for my family who needed money, okay? Podcasts um, aren't cheap, okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. We don't have a sponsor. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you can go robstamps.com right now. It's like, we gave you a choice. <laughs> Um, so you know, you mentioned that you you know you pulled some of the lettering stuff from, or like some ideas for how to how to put together some of the lettering from Sandman. Uh, I'm curious to know what other kind of comics are you guys into beyond you know just Sandman? Are there other things that you're currently reading, or other things that maybe inspired you while you were putting this book together? Uh, for me, I'm always a big fan of the, especially now there's a Netflix series of the Lock and Key by Joe Hill and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. Yeah, they're they're big, massive, massive. The hit I thought because it was such a good way to tell stories. Um, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and is it Fiona Staples? Yeah, is that her name? Yeah, yeah okay. I, w- I keep wanting to say Fiona Apples, but that's someone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, a lot of things that are coming out of uh, Image Comics. I'm a really big fan of. Um, what's the What's the one? It's I think it's called Crowded. I think. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. The Chris Savella book. It, yeah, that's a really cool book. Yeah, I've, I've just got into it this week, so I'm, I'm excited to finally to catch up, basically, on that story. Gotcha. I like how he remembers a bunch of names of authors and like can list off titles and stuff. For me, I 
I came to comics very much in a roundabout way. I mm-hmm. came by just starting to going to conventions. Okay. So like, I would just go to conventions and like I went with one of my friends who was really into like digital art and we would have our little table and be selling our little posters and just be completely overwhelmed by the like comic book artists that were there and mm-hmm. then the like celebrity guests that were invited. And for me it came like that way. And I wouldn't say like I have a specific like favorite. Like right now I'm reading like comics online and I'm reading like Laura Olympus is the one I'm obsessed with because of the art style. Oh yeah. Like, oh webtoons. Yeah. Like, yeah. Webtoons yeah. is being my crack right now. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I haven't had a lot of time to read lately. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to Cooper. But, no, that's all right. Laura, Laura Olympus is all we need to know. We know you have good taste. That's fine. <laughs> Well, that, that's cool. I, I was, I just was curious because I, I, I was, um, I, I, I look at this book and I, I see, I feel like, I feel like some, there's some manga inspiration, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and Western comic inspiration, but like every once in a while, I, I've been reading through a lot of like, like One Piece right now. I'm, I'm taking yeah. the plunge yeah. and trying to read through all of that, and I'm just like see little bits and pieces. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I, I love the way some of that style works, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it totally works, especially with this book being black and white with some mm-hmm. like grays. And I, I was actually going to wonder or ask you guys if, if you had plans to maybe do like a color edition or if you were going to do like color cover or anything if you did things printed um seeing that the whole book at least in the file that we we had is is all black and white if we get enough people to buy it then i don't see why we couldn't why we couldn't do a color version Mm -hmm. yeah you know uh i think with you know with anyone who's doing indie comics everything depends on what kind of audience you can reach and how many people actually purchase the book and that that kind of thing but I've, i've never been opposed to doing a color version uh and real quick going back to what you're talking about it's definitely inspired by uh manga a lot at least the original manga was because uh we when we first tried this we first tried doing the art digitally mm-hmm. and it came out really good but we're both perfectionists and we're both like oh we can both do better we can both do better with this um and it was killing my eyes that too yeah <laughs> <laughs> she with those really late nights when in front of a screen that they're not great for irises oh yeah uh so we we did like a first draft of it of the first like 10 pages and we were like oh we could probably do better and i was like you know let me do the lettering i'll do i'll handle lettering and she's like well i'll hand draw stuff and then we'll ink it like they used to do the old style manga artists Mm -hmm. uh these now manga artists they actually use digitally but back in the like an old school manga they used to it it used to be just pencil and ink um and then we just scanned all the pages in from there Mm -hmm. uh so yeah there's definitely a big influence from uh, like the Japanese manga culture. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say if we we're going to do a color version, I would want to stick with doing like hand coloring. Mm. Like oh, I really? am still playing with digital and I do do like some of my reconstruction drawings I do digitally. It's just, I, I love the like feel of actually putting pen to paper. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the main reasons that like my digital, like I do do it, but I don't do it all the time. And if I can get away with not doing it, I will. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> You're resistant also, to the changing times. I get it. That's totally fine. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, was good. But uh, going back to, like, um, I don't know if we... We could probably get a colored version out before this. The thing is, like, uh, I... When one thing I hope I did enough was leave enough questions. Like, it's a good enough complete story in this book. But there's definitely room, I think, for a volume two. That I would That's love to do a volume two. Oh, yeah. were you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's stuff that happens in the book that 
they don't have answers, but you don't need answers at the time. But they're like, but volume two, which the, the story I already have in the back of my head, uh, would definitely answer all of them. And it would be, it would just uh, expand upon the, I guess, Jekyll and Hyde universe if we're using easy, if we're using easy terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would definitely expand upon the, the mythology of just the concept of Jekyll and Hyde. And it would just kind of just expand it even further because it, it definitely has a lot of. Um, open-ended avenues that we could take with it yeah and there's definitely a couple of characters that i know myself i've fallen in love with and have been like <laughs> harassing him that like they need to be in there more if we're doing a volume two yep. bring them back mm-hmm. yeah so i could i could definitely see that but i think your book also uniquely has the advantage of if you never did a volume two i i feel like you've left things in a place that would be perfectly fine mm-hmm. i think that's definitely kind of what that's one thing I really like about really well-crafted TV shows. You know, if a season ends, it wraps up on a good enough uh, on a good enough point where you know what, maybe it won't have all the answers, but you've it's it's a good complete story. It wraps up everything that needs to be wrapped up in order for it to be a full cycle uh, hero's journey. And then if there's more after that, it's kind of always a bonus. The thing is, the, where the challenge is, like, that next one has to be another full cycle and then it's in, uh, of a story, and it keeps going from there. Like, um, a, good, a good example of this is the first season of Stranger Things. Like, mm-hmm. it, has a, it has a great beginning, it has a great arc, it ends really well, um, and then it also has, like, a teaser, the very last uh, scene of the whole show. And if it ended there, I don't think anyone really would complain that much that the show ended. But it kept going for another season, and it was really great. I haven't watched Stranger Things. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll wait. Uh, you can start right now. Yeah, and, we'll, um, we'll finish yeah, this once. Watch, uh, yeah, we I'll finish this season. I'll just grab my charger we'll from my computer, and I'll just yeah. hours of TV. <laughs> now that I'm done, I have all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't sleep. <laughs> So yeah, I guess the so I was curious to know. I mean, I guess the we, we you know we've been talking about the book, uh, and you guys have talked about like kind of how the collaboration process worked. Were there were there sections in the book? I mean, obviously we don't want to get too deep into spoilers or anything. Um, were there sections in the book where where maybe a script came in and AC you were like, well, what if we we what if we approach this scene this way, or what if we approach this section of a chapter this way? Because the book's broken up into a couple different chapters, which I really liked. Because as, as I said, I was reading a lot of manga, and I'm like, oh, this is this is perfectly digestible little chunks for me to like keep going with the story. And it felt like I didn't have to stop because there were these punctuated marks throughout the book, like you know, like a good prose book in the in chapters and stuff like that um but but anyways were there were there scenes and and i guess parts of the story that you guys changed on the fly as you were putting the art together well one of the nice things that he let me do before i started drawing was i sat next to him and read the script and edited it and told him to cut mm-hmm. certain bits out and was very mean at <laughs> okay. 12 o'clock at okay. night numerous times yeah so even before we got to the ruthless. drawing section we were already like, I was already kind of, like, sticking my opinion in there yeah. and molding it. One thing that, um, also one thing I really enjoyed is there are, so there are a couple female characters in this book. And one thing that I really, really wanted to do, I wanted to get authentic, like, female voices. Like, I wanted the, if there was an actual female person in this book, what, are, what is a true way they would react in this very bizarre situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would write a scene and then I would go to her and be like, hey, does this sound like something a woman would say? And a lot of times she'd say yes. And then I'd be like, no, women don't do that, dude. And I'm like, yep, you're right. All right, I'm gonna change this right now. 
and mm-hmm. then I would write it again, and she's like, that's better. And so, um, yeah, so she was, when, for the script editing process, she was ruthless. It was, like, it was a lot of, lot of red pen marks on my, on my script. I was like, no, nope, cut this, you cut this, cut this, and I'm like, oh, okay. But that's kind of, but that's kind of the advantage of working with someone who, whose art style you really respect is they have their own opinions, and if you listen to them, they usually have good ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, so huh? You have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Clearly, <laughs> we've reached a. <laughs> All right, guys, if you uh, find my body buried somewhere, I definitely don't know who did it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't know who did it, but I have some really great drawings of my corpse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it 50 years, I'll ex- excavate it. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've just gotten the plot for something. It might not be yeah. volume yeah. two, but <laughs> you might have another work. Uh, but no, I feel like we definitely worked well together. I think one thing is if, um, if you were a writer, if you're a comic book writer... And you want something that's inside your head. You have a clear vision of what you want your book to be. The way you're going to get it exactly the way that's inside your head is you're going to go pick up a pen and a pencil and you're going to go draw it yourself. Otherwise, you need to find someone who can actually draw better than you. And then you have to work with them and you have to listen to their ideas. And you're going to Mm -hmm. find out what works and what doesn't work. and 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 you listen to them. And that's the way you get a comic book made. Uh, otherwise, you have to do it yourself. You do everything yourself, and then it'll be fine. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Then that's about. That's just kind of the advice I give to. Is I hear a lot of writers like um, I just talked to on social media. They're like, "Well, you know, it kind of works like this, and but it, you know, I kind of want to look like this." And like, does it work better as a story? And they're like, "Well, yeah." Then leave it at that. They, right. the artist, you have to trust your artist. Your artist knows what they're doing. That's and why they're the artist. I think both author and artist have to be open to compromise, too. Yeah. Because, like, the, the author will have a vision for how they want their character to look like, and I can't just decide, no, I'm going to go the polar opposite of that, and that's going to be <laughs> fine. Because the author is making a decision for the how they dress, how they look, f- to advance the story. Mm-hmm. So, like, it is room for compromise on both sides, mm-hmm. and I'm not, like, that mean, though. It's just like, no, you're not getting any say about your characters. Uh-huh. She gets mad at me because I keep wanting my characters to have big anime hair. And she's like, not everyone can have anime hair. <laughs> we can't okay. all can't go, all super, go super 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 at the same time, Cooper. Cooper. It's like, I don't want people playing spot the pro tag on every page. Like we can- <laughs> um, One thing I did really enjoy about the, the book, and I, I'd be curious to hear more about, are um, the chapter intros and, and sort of closing wrap-up portions where you found clever ways to... Um, sort of weave the the chapter title or whatnot into the the beginning of the chapter. I, I, I'm curious to hear more about how that came about. Just sort of using either receipts or police tape or things like that to kind of set the scene. I thought that was a really clever and an interesting way to sort of set the mood. Yeah, I agree. For wrapping well, I, or, or starting chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I knew that when it comes to like letter, I either had to do one thing, which is either I'm going to have one font. Um, for every like uh, beginning and end of every chapter, so the, you know every part's gonna have the same font. And it's gonna look the same because you need that kind of like uniformity for the reader to, as like a lifeline kind of to get them to the next page. Uh, and I thought, okay, I can do that. I could definitely do that. But wouldn't and then it be someone cooler? said no to Comic Sans, right? Is that <laughs> is that how that went down? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I just thought, I just thought it would be wouldn't it be so much cooler that if every chapter had its own 
like fond at his own um because it's the first thing of every chapter you see is either mm -hmm. that first panel and then the title of that first chapter and why don't i was like why don't we get started with this chapter with the tone and, we, and you can portray tone in uh lettering and that's what i really wanted to do um and then uh, having you know the police tape on the end of one chapter that was just uh, that was just me learning how to letter in the process of doing it. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this was the police tape? And then I, you know, I, I, you know, opened up my Adobe Illustrator and I drew everything. And I was like, oh, I can actually do this. This is really cool. And then like, oh, it works. And then, yeah, then, I, then we just kept it because I could. <laughs> well, you sent me a picture and went, is this okay? Oh, yeah, is this all right? <laughs> can you, can you, well, I was worried because when you when you do things on Illustrator, you ha when you, especially when you're doing lettering, you have to zoom in in order to make sure that you're getting it, the position right on the panel and you're getting um, the the tails of the balloon facing the right mouth and that kind of stuff. Um, then when you zoom out, you, it's hard to tell how it looks on the page as a whole, especially if it's a splash page. Uh, so I just sent it to her. I was like, does this look all right? Good? Yeah. All right. And then I moved on to the next one. That was but that was just really fun. Yeah, and I definitely appreciated getting the messages that were just like, is this all right? And double checking. Because like once I sent the art to him, he could basically do whatever he wanted to it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he was still checking in was just like, yes, I haven't lost. <laughs> My baby hasn't been given away. <laughs> well, I mean, how terrible would it be if I just put, I don't know, wingdings. Uh, as, the, as the type of font on every page, and you're like, all right, I don't know why you're murdering my baby, but thank you. Yeah. I translated the whole thing into wingdings. Uh, yeah. It's the special wingdings Flying toaster, edition. flying toaster. No. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess... Um, I, I, you know, if folks were looking to pick this book up, I guess where would they be able to pick it up? If it's it's on the internet, it's it's going to be physically printed. I guess. I, I, what are you, how are you yeah. guys getting this book out to folks? So, uh, what we've actually done is we're actually having a book launch of our physical copies. Uh, the time of this recording on Tuesday, March third. Uh, by the time you've heard this, though, it's already been passed. You can our Kickstarter will still be up, uh, so you can actually order it through our Kickstarter, where we can mail out to both. Uh, North America and to the UK. Uh, even though on the Kickstarter it says only ships to the UK, ignore that. We will mail it to you if you in North America, like Canada. Yeah, I'll uh, be yeah. back in Canada. Yeah, yeah she, next week. Yeah, so. she's back in Canada, so she's going to be mailing it out personally. So you can get a physical copy that way. After we've sold out and after our Kickstarter is done of our physical copies, uh, we are going to be posting it to Comixology, uh, and where you can buy a digital copy from there. And um, once we one. When, not if, when we sell out of our physical copies, we'll probably do try to do another run, uh, which we'll be making an announcement on all of our social media. One thing that's cool about our Kickstarter, too, is because I can't just stay on one project and I have to keep working and never sleep, mm -hmm. is there's a bunch of other artwork that that goes around with the theme of the comic book and like kind of delves into some of the other characters and the alternative cover that we were talking about earlier about when I had my big style, my big style change, like Spiral, into the oblivion that's mm -hmm. on there as an option as one of the rewards as well so it's a good way to kind yeah. of like see beyond the comic book mm -hmm. a little bit yeah so if you just want to read the book you can go on comiXology and you can get a digital copy and you can read it on your ipad and you will love the book that way uh, but if you want all of the goodies if you want the physical copy if you want a signed copy uh if you want signed postcards signed covers you go to our kickstarter page um and then you get you can get all the good stuff there very cool. 
uh, yeah, we, we will make sure to post links to all this stuff in our show notes for, for the episode. So don't you worry, listener. We, we've got your back. Um, but I guess I, I, you know, I, we can wrap up here real quick. I mean, uh, where can people find you guys on the Internet if they want to check out your other work or future things that you're working on? Um, for me, you could definitely check out my Instagram, which is just alexis.ironside. And uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Both of them are at CooperTheWriter. And uh, if you want to find out more stuff about our little studio here, it's called Arrow Key Studios. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that stuff. It's just Arrow Key Studios, uh, all one word. Awesome. And my Twitter as well, I completely forgot I had one, is, <laughs> is AC Ironside. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, we'll post a bunch of those links in the show notes as well. Uh, well, for now, I guess we'll wrap up here. Nick, you can follow him on Twitter at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rapid, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we post news, art, SAS, polls, things like that. I, I was doing polls for the longest time. You know, I stopped. Maybe I should start that up again this year. Uh, this show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join us now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show, Five Stars, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join us on our Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. And you can make sure to tell a friend or two about the show and, and just come and hang out with us. We do monthly-ish hangouts where we just sit and talk about comics on the internet. It's pretty fun. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is a wizard, a good friend, and a great high-fiver. He also edits the show. I want to say thank you to AC Ironside and thank you to Cooper Anderson for being on the show this week. I guess thank you to Nick as well and thank you to all the listeners out there who listen to the show and talk with us and are just fantastic people. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. Bye. Bye.